But I, I heard somebody say, that's me. But how many else have experienced that where everything's going perfect and all of a sudden one thing happens and it just sends you into this gigantic rage? Uh, I definitely can relate with the cartoon boy in there and Carpenter Smash. Uh, my name is John. We're so glad you guys are here, chosen to worship with us this morning here at Hydrant. Uh, Pastor Tim is away uh, at another church uh, sharing the story of Hydrant sharing with them kind of what we did here, and then hopefully helping this church create their own story of revitalization, of hope and change in their community. So definitely keep praying for him. Pray for these churches that he's working with because uh, they're just, he's doing an amazing work there, and these churches are buying into um, this vision that Tim has set. So keep them in prayer. But today, I want to talk to you guys something. This is going to be kind of my confession, things, something that I have been struggling with, something that I have been working through. Uh, we just wrapped up the season of Lent, going into Easter, and sure enough, you know, Tim was talking about leading into the Lenten season, you know, this is a time to be prepared for the coming, time to be prepared for Easter and for the Resurrection Sunday that we celebrate. And so he kept saying this, like, I want you guys to really dig into this and see what God wants to do to do. Maybe he's speaking to you about something in your life as we head into this Lenten season. And little did I know that that was about to hit me in the face like the young kid in the board, just smacking him and falling down. But uh, the confession, the thing that I realized that I was struggling with and ultimately came to head uh, is anger. And I don't know about you guys, but uh, anger has a way to sneak in and to uh, just explode. I compare it to uh, that of, I don't know how many Marvel or comic book fans we have here, the Hulk. Uh, that's why I wore the green shirt today. I was like, the Hulk. I thought about putting his face up there, but I don't want to get sued by Marvel. So, uh, But the Hulk, how there's a scene in the very first Avengers, I'm not spoiling anything for those of you who haven't seen the new one, but in the very first one when he finally turns into the Hulk and Captain America looks at him and goes, Hulk, smash. And then he just goes on a rampage. And there are times in my life when I am so angry, that's all I want to do is let me go smash something. Let me go destroy things. Let me get revenge. Let me do whatever it takes. Let me turn to a bright green rage monster. And with my family, they have kind of began to realize, man, he may not be turning green, but there's some rage going on there. There's some anger. There's some issues happening. So I want to share with you guys a story of such example when someone has allowed anger to control and to take over. So back in September of 1999, a gentleman named Guy Booz was arrested in Wisconsin because his anger got the best of him. Happens to us all, right? You, you get angry, maybe you say something you don't mean or do something you didn't mean to do. Well, on this day, what happened to set him off was his washing machine wasn't working. Isn't that frustrating? You can't do laundry. I mean, I'm not frustrated about that, but some people do. They're like, I want to do laundry. My washing machine isn't working. And so normally, most of us would either call somebody like, hey, it's broken. Can you come fix it? Or those of you that are handy out there know how to fix it. Uh, on this day, guy chose a different route. Uh, he grabbed the washing machine. He pushed it out his door, kicked it down a flight of stairs, and then he shot it three times with his pistol. <laughs> so... There's a right way to handle things in a completely wrong way. He, he went the wrong route of how to handle his frustration with his washing machine. Uh, not only did it cost him jail time, uh, but then he had to go buy a new washing machine. I'd have kept the thing and shot it more, but that's just me. <laughs> but here's an idea, here's a thought process that I have been discovering on my journey in dealing with anger, is that I believe a lot of us base our happiness, our joy, our contentment in life solely on our current circumstances or situations. Our happiness, our joy, our just happy-go-lucky attitude is only based upon our current situation, circumstances. For instance, I don't see too many people that are angry that they just won a million dollars in the lottery. I mean, maybe you are. You can hook me up. I'll help you out with that. But I don't see too many people angry about winning a large sum of money Likewise, I don't see too many people smiling from ear to ear when they stub their toe. Like, that, that just isn't a happy feeling to do that. Or, for instance, when we were doing baptisms and our lawn is kind of filled with those stickers, the prickly things, and 
Uh, I had to give up my shoes. I I wasn't happy about that. (laughs) Not at all. But you see, when we do this, when we base our happiness, our joy, our circumstances, or our just happiness and joy on our circumstances, uh, we remove that opportunity that God can work through things. Because things will come and go. Money will come and go. Uh, fun times will come and go, but ultimately what should be the constant in our lives, ultimately we should look to for joy, for our happiness, for our contentment in life, is not our current circumstances, is not what we're currently feeling or experiencing, but it should be that relationship with God, that remembrance of that. And so what I want to talk about today is the steps, the things that I am dealing with in breaking this chain of anger, what I have struggled with, and ways that I have tried to figure out how to handle that, how to, like I said, break the chain, Uh, whether it's appliance rage, like Guy's situation. How many of you have road rage? I I have all of them. I'll just leave my hand up. Road rage, uh... Small problem, rage, bitter, small, doesn't matter. I got rage. Uh, I read a story of a guy that would actually keep golf balls in his uh, glove box, and when somebody cut him off, he'd open up his sunroof. And... <laughs> right? I haven't done that. So I, I feel like I'm, I haven't. <laughs> but the thing that I am discovering is that anger is a choice. We choose to be angry, don't we? Because we can choose how we handle a situation. We can choose whether or not we're going to allow it to completely ruin and destroy a day or if we're just going to let it go and go, it doesn't matter. Uh, Lion King's are ready to come out. Hakuna Matata. It means no worries for the rest of your days. But ultimately, we choose whether or not to be angry or not, to be happy or not. And uh, a prime example of this is a guy that was in one of my, um, I had a men's group I'd met on Tuesday mornings. And if you met him in real life, you would never think that he battled depression, that he battled anxiety. But he would tell me each and every day, I choose joy. And some days it is hard. Some days I wake up so filled with anger and depression and anxiety that I just, I have to seclude myself and just say, I'm going to choose joy today. I have to force joy. But we choose how we respond to different things. And for me, it was becoming abundantly clear that I was not choosing joy. I was not choosing things that were healthy, that were uh, beneficial, that were not of God. I was rather just being angry and holding resentment and holding grudges. And ultimately that came down to, and ironically enough, the week before Lent. When we're getting ready to go into this season where Tim's telling us, yo, we're going to be prepared because God's going to do something. And of course, we all sit there and go, oh yeah, sure, whatever. Well, God was taught to do something. Um, And I'll just share this. Uh, We uh, have a 16-year-old daughter and she was preparing for prom. And we're foster parents. I have never done prom. I had heard horror stories of fathers and proms before, but I'm like, no, I've never experienced this. And so my wife and my daughter went to Raleigh to go purchase the dress. And so I'm sitting there waiting, and for some reason, stupidly, I'm looking at our credit card app to see... (laughs) Like a rookie dad, first time with a teenager... I'm sitting there waiting for it, and I see it come across. I'm like, what the, hmm? <laughs> like, you'll wear this one time. <laughs> I'll get to that. And so Tiffany texts me on the way home, and she's like, hey, we bought the dress. I was like, I know. I saw it. <laughs> she's like, I need you to be happy. And right there, that should have been a sign to me that she's sensing something. She's like, I need you to be happy because she already feels bad that we spent this much. But she looks beautiful in it. Just be happy about it. And so when she gets home, uh, I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, be happy, be happy. (laughs) But the problem is, is my mind and my brain and my face don't always uh, have a relationship. 
I have resting you-know-what face. Uh, you know what they say where people like, to, oh, it takes less muscle to smile than it does to frown? I'm opposite, I feel. Because I feel like this requires a lot more than... <laughs> That's just the way God made me, I guess? I don't know. And so in my mind, I'm like, all right, be happy. And so in my mind, what comes out is, as long as you like it... <laughs> Which is not the thing a dad should say. He should be saying, oh, you look beautiful. It's wonderful. Yes. But that was not what was showing on the face and not what came out of my mouth. And, well, I mean, I said, as long as you're happy. But that's not something that should be said. And we had a a funeral that night. My wife and I, we went to, we came back. She's like, don't get out of the car yet. And we had a very hard, heart-to-heart talk that night. And she just broke down and said, John, I don't know what's happening. I don't know why you're so angry. You just don't have joy. You don't have happiness, and I don't know why. And I'm trying everything I can to fix it, but I can't. So you need to tell me what's happening. And so from that point, I had to start taking a real hard look at my life. Why was I so angry? Why was I so frustrated at things? I mean, I look at my life. I have a beautiful wife. I married way up way up. Uh, I still thank God every day that she said yes. I was holding bated breath until after the wedding. She's like, she may find a reason. (laughs) The Hulk will come out. Uh, I have two beautiful daughters that I love more than anything in this world. Um, I work with some phenomenal people. You know, I'm at a job. I'm not in pastoral ministry right now, but I'm at a job where I like the people I work with. But I had to take a hard look at myself and go, why am I not happy? Why am I not filled with joy? And realizing that was affecting my life with my family. They would come home and not know what John was coming home. Is he going to be happy today? Or are we going to have to step on eggshells to make sure he doesn't lose it? Something had to change, and that's literally what my wife said. She said, something's got to change, because we can't do this anymore. It's like, you, our children don't deserve this, I don't deserve this. But she said the thing that kind of stuck with me, she's like, you don't deserve this. This isn't the life I want for you. And that was hard for me to hear. Because I had thought for so long that I did a good job of just bottling it in, keeping it inside, that... People just, oh, that's John. He just has that face. Oh, that's John. He just kind of acts that way. That's not what I wanted. And ultimately, and Tim kept throwing this question out there during Lent, he kept asking, who does God want you to be? And I knew at that point, this is not who God wants me to be. And it was at this point I said, I need to get help. And that's tough. I don't know about you. You all, but I know I think it's a guy thing, but it could be an anybody thing. Uh, to ask for help is it's tough, and to go to people that I trust with my life, I went to them and just broke down. I was like, I'm not happy. Um, I don't have joy. I don't have anything. Like, right now, I just I'm angry all the time, and I'm finding reasons to be angry. That, and that's a whole nother level of anger. When you're finding reasons to be angry, I'm creating my own uh, misery. And unlike the song that says it loves company, I didn't want company. I just wanted to stew in my pot and turn into the Hulk every once in a while and go smash stuff. You see, the problem is, is anger is a choice, and I was choosing to live that instead of choosing joy. Instead of looking at things in my life that made me happy, things in my life that should have filled me with that. And ultimately, I think a huge disconnect was my relationship with God. See, I wasn't, and ironically, I was in the Word every day. I was reading Scripture. I just wasn't getting anything from it. I was doing it because it's habit. I wake up in the morning, I do my Scripture reading, and it's done for the day. But it was from that point, after meeting with some people that have invested in me, And having to hear real talk, I realized that it's time to start creating some new habits. Once again, Pastor Tim talked about this. Creating habits that help us avoid the things that trigger us, but also help create healthy habits that can help us move forward. 
And I was driving by Goldsboro High School this week, and I saw on their sign, and it's just a God thing because it's just wonderful. It's an incredible quote. It says, you can change, change the narrative of your life one day at a time. Because ultimately, when my wife confronted me with this, I realized I had a problem. I automatically went to, well, how do I fix this quickly? Like, how do I just make things go back to normal? Because that's what we want to do. We want to fix things quickly. We don't want to do a process. We don't want to do 12 steps. I want the one step that covers everything in once, and we're done, and we're back to normal. And I think the hard part for me to realize is that it's never going to just automatically go back to normal. Uh, just like our journey and our faith, it, it, it's a process. You're never just there. It's a process, and it's a day-by-day journey. It's a day-by-day battle for me to not allow small things to ruin what is a beautiful day. See, anger can be one of the most destructive things in our life. Uh, I shared this in first service. I loved the television show Scrubs. How many of you have watched that show? I loved it. That's the only reason I wanted to be a doctor. I hate science. It's only by the grace of God I passed in college. I was able to take it pass-fail, and I really worked that line of pass-fail. I hate science. But the only reason I wanted to be a doctor is because of Dr. Cox, Dr. Perry Cox. And if you've watched the show, and if you haven't, I'll show you, he's an angry guy, very sarcastic, full of just... Uh, rage at any moment, and if you watch that show and you know me well enough, you're like, oh yeah, that could be you. That's probably not good. (laughs) But there was one episode that they kind of focused in on his anger, and they did it to where they had patients that they were seeing that in their minds they were reflecting they saw themselves. Dr. Cox's patient, he was so filled with anger that it deteriorated his health. The man ended up dying of cardiac arrest because of his anger and his blood pressure was so high because he would get angry at just the smallest things. At one point, he was so angry because the remote wouldn't work. Well, he was using the remote to his bed and not to the TV, but he threw it against the wall anyway. And it was a wake-up call for him that, man, that's me. That's me down the line. That was that night for me with my wife, realizing I had to change. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus writes this. He says, you're familiar with the commands of the ancients. Don't murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty. Carelessly call a brother idiot, and you just might find yourself hauled into court. I never thought about that. How many times do you call somebody an idiot? You can go to court. Be in jail a lot. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister, and you're on the brink of hellfire. Simple moral fact is that words kill. This is how I want you to conduct yourselves in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then, and only then, come back and work things out with God. Or say you're out on the street and an old enemy does wrong to you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right with him. After all, if you leave the first move to him, knowing his track record, you're likely to end up in court. Or, in layman's terms, a fist fight or anger. Maybe even jail. If that happens, you won't get out without a stiff fine. Anger is a dangerous emotion that always threatens to leap out of control, leading to violence, emotional hurt, increased mental stress, and spiritual damage. And we think about, you know, the emotional damage on people, the physical damage on yourself, but spiritual damage. Change the narrative of your life one day at a time. And so that is what I want to talk about today. What are some ways, some steps, some points that we can follow to begin to change the narrative of your life? And for some of you, it might not be anger. That's just what I'm focusing on today because that's what I'm going through. I think the, love, the thing I love about Hydrant is just the realness to share your stories, 
And some of you have shared your story on video or shared it in small group. And uh, I love it that this is a place where we feel like we can share our stories together. And so that's why I feel like I can share this with you. Because this is my real and present struggle. This is my battle. And so I'm trying to change the narrative of my life one day at a time. And so the first point I want to talk about is forgiveness. And all of these have to do with forgiveness. Because ultimately, anger is caused by you or some wrong being done to you. At least a wrong in your eyes. Uh, I've left movie theaters angry at how the stupid movie ended. And then they wronged me. They owe me something. <laughs> you know, or television shows where I've invested a lot of time and they completely screw it up at the end. How I Met Your Mother. I mean, <laughs> they have wronged me and they owe me. But this idea of forgiveness flows through anger. It not only flows, it defeats anger, it removes it from it. Forgiveness and reconciliation start in our heart. And I think the beginning of what has been causing my recent anger issues was a resentment and an anger towards, of all people, my wife. We moved here five years ago. We lived in Wichita, Kansas, a uh, town of about three-quarters of a million people, so a little bit different in Goldsboro. Um, I had my three closest friends within a 10-mile radius. We were close. We would go hang out all the time, go golf. I mean, I had my best buds there. These were my groomsmen in my wedding. Uh, Tiffany, unfortunately, didn't have that. Her closest friends were four hours away. And so I began to see a change in her. I could see that she longed for that relationship. She longed for that uh, connection with her friends. And so me, odorishly thinking, oh, well, I can move away from my friends and I'll be fine. We got a tip from her, one of her best friends here in Goldsboro, that there was a position open. She knew that we both hated our jobs currently. She was working at a family practice, working like... 80 hours a week, uh, not really appreciated. I worked for FedEx, so that's fun. Um, <laughs> we both were so sick and tired of our jobs, and so she called. She's like, hey, there's this job opening. You'd only work four days a week. Goldsboro's a little bit like Kansas, but the beach is only two hours away. Like, huh, Okay. And so we came and checked it out. And ultimately, yes, we moved here for the job. I was beginning seminary. But in my mind, I'm thinking, we're going to move here so she can be close to her friend. So that she can have that thing that I've had. And I'll be fine. I'll be fine. No worries. And it only took me five years to realize how wrong I was, because I'm a slow learner. But I began to realize that, you know, Tiff will go out and hang out with her friends. Uh, we were, and we still are, in a small group with friends from another church, and the girls in the group get together and go out to eat for birthdays, and I swear some of them celebrate their birthday like five times, because they definitely go out to eat more for birthdays, Josh knows I'm talking truth, <laughs> more than they actually have birthdays. Well, I'm like, just call it what it is, I don't care if you go out to eat, but don't say it's a birthday, you've already celebrated hers. I watched you buy the gift. <laughs> and then in my mind, I'm thinking, why don't we do this with the guys? And we've talked about it, and we still don't do it. <sighs> We're gluttons for punishment. But I began to realize I was beginning to hold resentment towards my wife because she was going out and doing all this stuff, and I felt like I was stuck at home with our kids. And that is a terrible attitude to have, and I hate that I felt that way because I love my kids. I love my daughters to death. And when we first moved here, I think it was easier because we didn't have kids. We had a dog, so dog can go outside. We got a fenced yard. We can go off and do our own thing. I could go golf or watch a movie, whatever. But then we started foster care, which means we had a two-year-old. And we just jumped into the world of teenagers. We were afraid of teenagers at first because I'm like, they can back talk. And, you know, they shared stories about how one teenager tried to kill the other parents. We're like, uh... No. Like, the first time we had a teenager in our house, Tiff locked the door of our room. I'm like, I don't think they're going to stab us. 
but there's that fear. <laughs> Why we didn't just jump to the self-sufficient ones? Like, no, we want the ones dependent upon us to eat and live and survive. And so began that process. And with our first foster daughter, we were in it together. We kind of lost all social life. We were just in it. And then we took a, when that daughter went to be with her grandmother, we took a little bit of a break. And then on one night, got three children. So just dive right back in. And it's been that way ever since. But I just was building up to this. I felt like I was constantly being left at home to watch the 20-month-old while Tiff and my other daughter got to go off and do fun things. And albeit, it's more likely for mom and daughter to go out. Like, if we had a son, it'd probably mean him going out. But in my stupidity and rage, I was like, no, it should be me going on the girls' night with her. (laughs) We should be getting mani-pedis, even though I hate that. (laughs) But that began to build resentment towards my wife. And, of course, leading up to this conversation, I was looking ahead on our calendar that uh, we had one weekend where the teens went on a retreat and she was going. And instead of being excited for my daughter to go on a retreat where she's going to be just worshiping with other girls and hearing powerful messages for my wife to be able to invest in these teens, all I could think about was, well, there's another weekend I get stuck with baby duty. And then another week after that, her and Aaliyah go to New York. And I'm sitting there thinking, awesome, I'd go to New York. I love food, clearly. (laughs) I like to do fun things. And then another weekend after that, she's leaving again to go to Colorado. That's where she is today. She's in Colorado. And this is the one time I'm winning, (laughs) because she's not having a great trip. But... But I allowed that to, I was holding resentment and anger towards my wife because of this. Because of the one of the big reasons why we moved here is I wanted her to do these things. I wanted her to go out and have fun with her friends because I felt like I didn't need that. And I was so terribly wrong on that. And I had to apologize to my wife and say, wife, I forgive you for my stupidity. Have you ever had to do that? You forgive somebody because you're an idiot? But I had to do that and say, I'm sorry. And I forgive you because I'm an idiot. And it just, it sounds so weird to say that. But when I look at this passage and it says forgiveness and reconciliation start in our heart. uh, Jesus says this, as a person thinks in his or her heart, so they become. And in my heart, I was holding resentment and anger and frustration at my wife for no reason whatsoever other than. I was being stupid and selfish. And so instead of sharing that with her, which is what she wanted, instead of opening up, I bottled it in. And I sat there and thought, why am I feeling this way? I have an opportunity for three weekends and a couple more weeks to spend time with my daughter. I got to take Aaliyah to get her palm pictures And I am the absolute wrong person to be taking photos. I don't like photos. I'm one and done. Uh, To get makeup and all that done. And, of course, Tiff's gone this weekend. And I'm freaking out because, like, I don't know how to do this stuff. What if her hair gets messed up? What if something happens? No help whatsoever. I'm like, who do I have to pay because this ain't happening? But I got to watch her look incredible. She looked beautiful. In a very expensive dress. <laughs> I got to see the smile on her face. And for me, it, that's been the change just so far. Trying to change that narrative one day at a time. Opening up, forgiving, not holding resentment in my heart, but realizing to cherish these moments of seeing my 16-year-old daughter go to prom. Of having moments where my 19-month-old loves to just, her laugh is contagious. I love it. And her new favorite thing is to crawl on top of me and then sit on my face and then bounce up and down. And she always manages to do it once she has crapped her pants. Which, let me tell you, there's so much better ways to know if your child has a poopy diaper 
but that's how I find out. But for me, it was releasing anger and forgiving. Like, why am I mad at you for doing what I want you to do? And how many of us hold on to things because of small things that that person may not even realize they're doing? I mean, I always encouraged, even when I was angry, I encouraged her, yeah, go out. Go out and celebrate uh, Amy's third birthday party. I'm sorry, Amy, it's just because you're here. (laughs) Go out and have fun. You know, they like to go do random things, and I don't always like to. They wanted us to do it to the Daffodil or Flower Festival. I don't know what it's called. It's in Fremont. And all in my mind, she's like, we're going to go do this. I'm like, I'm trying to be positive. I'm like, okay, we'll do this. Yeah. Uh, There was not one flower there. I saw one flower, (laughs) and this kid was just sitting there stomping it, so... The kid was doing what I would do, probably, but... (laughs) See, we're called to be positive, not negative toward each other. And I was being so negative. Instead of choosing to be positive towards my wife, whom I love, whom I married way up for, like I I said, I'm so thankful she said yes, and thankfully she still says yes. But we're called to be positive people, not negative. What if you walked into church today, and instead of opening up the door for you, they slammed it shut and locked it? And then you saw them pointing and laughing. I'm like, look at that idiot in the green shirt. It's got dogs on it. <laughs> like, would you want to come to that church? No. And that's not what this place is called to be. And yet so many times, some of us have experienced stories of where churches have wronged us and hurt us, where they've made us angry, and then we hold judge, and we hold anger towards them. And all that does is reside in us, resides in our heart, and eventually that's what we become is angry and bitter. James 1, 19 through 20 says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, for one's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. A lot of times I read that and go, I think God mixed those words around. It should be, you know, slow to listen, but quick to anger and quick to speak. You know, shoot first and then ask questions. But it says right here, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 19.11, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. What is it that causes us to get angry? We feel that we have our rights and no one had better take them away. If someone gets in my space, they're in trouble. I have my rights. And there's several ways that we deal with anger. We suppress it or try to. I don't do a good job of it. Clearly, as I said, mind and face, they don't connect all the time. Uh, a lot of times people can spiritualize anger. Have you thought about that? Spiritualize your anger? You know, we read the passage in Scripture where Jesus goes in the temple and throws tables and slashes whips. And I've walked into church meetings before, board meetings, and go, oh, we're going to be some table flipping tonight. <laughs> we spiritualize anger and say, you're only righteously indignant. My anger is spiritual, and yours is not. Or God made me this way, and so it's okay. If you push me too far, I'll explode. Children learn how to use anger to get their way very early. And those of you who are parents know what I'm talking about. Our 20-month-old, she, uh, she loves to throw fits when she doesn't get her way. You know, and it's over silly things. Like when she sees her uh, bowl full of goldfish on the counter, and of course she can't reach it. She screams and hollers until we give it to her, and then at which she just chucks it because that's what children do. Uh, At one point, we got called to daycare, and we had to sign a release because uh, Finley had just graduated into the toddler room. She was super pumped. I know she's 20 months old, and you're thinking, how is she? She was pumped, okay, because they had furniture in there that she could sit on. She was a grown-up. 
And so at the end of the day, that teacher leaves and before we get there, and so she has to go back into the baby room, and that is unacceptable in her mind. <laughs> so she got so angry, she decided to chomp down on her hand and drew blood. And I'm like, we get there, I'm like, what did she do? Did she bite somebody? Like, no, she bit herself because she is so angry, and she didn't know how to express it. The children learn in early ways how to use anger to get their way. So what do we do with anger? What do we do about it? Be sure you are getting angry at the right things. I think that's a big thing to share with you guys is anger is not always a bad thing. I'll be honest with you, anger is what drove Tiffany and I to be foster parents. I know that sounds very weird and you're probably concerned, but (laughs) we both had this calling, this feeling to be foster parents because we saw the absolute ridiculousness of how many children are in foster care. How many children have been pulled from homes, have nowhere to go, and we were angry about it. And so that drove us to be foster parents. Anger can be a good thing if used the right way. And Jesus is our model in dealing with angry, with anger. See, Jesus knew what it was like to be the subject of anger. Anger nailed Jesus to the cross. <coughs> Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry. But don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. And this leads us into the next point of forgiveness is an act of worship. And I told you anger drove us to foster care. And anger has been one of the huge issues in my foster caring experience. Because the thing that I have been most angry about is anger towards our biological parents. Anger because I don't understand. We've had so far five children come into our home. From 11 days old all the way up to 16. And they're wonderful kids. I love them all. Some of them drove me crazy. But I love them nonetheless. And I just couldn't understand how these parents could continue to screw up, to, to do the things that they were doing, why they weren't changing their lives for these kids. And so I, in turn, made that my anger towards them. I wanted to be frustrated and yell at them. I just, and I would lash out. I would call them names. I would call them frustrating things. And, of course, with our young children, they don't know who I'm talking about. But then we got Aaliyah in our home. And she was 15 at the time, and she's a smart girl. So what's to make her think, oh, I'm not maybe not saying anything about her parents in front of her, but what am I saying behind her back when she's not there? And ultimately, if I'm doing this to be help these children, I need to be praying for and helping their parents. Because ultimately, that's their parents. That's their mom and dad. If you said something bad about my mom and dad, you better get ready to put up. That's about the only time you'll see my wife get ready to do fisticuffs. If you say anything about family, oof. See, forgiveness is an act of worship, and I'm harboring ill will towards them, and I need to forgive. I need to release that. But not only release that, I need to pray for them. Pray good for them. And when I say that this idea of forgiveness is an act of worship, I'm not just talking about Sunday mornings. I'm not just talking about this hour and a half service we do every week. Uh, we worship God every day in everything we do, how we speak, how we act, the things that we do, the things that we accomplish Everything we do should be an act of worship towards God. And for some of you, that might be a guilt trip. That kicks me in the gut sometimes. Like, oh, when I was driving in the car today, that was not worshiping God. 
but everything we do, worship should be a lifestyle in our lives. A bitter heart separates a person from God as well as the person you're offended at. I heard a story of a pastor asked a man one time if he had the assurance of eternal life. Are you saved? That's the Christian term to say. Are you saved? Have you accepted Christ? And the guy told him that his brother was a Christian, and I don't want to go to heaven if my brother will be there. See, he did something to me that I'll never forget or forgive. He cheated me out of money, and he claims to be a Christ follower. I would rather go to hell than forgive my brother for what he did to me. Anger created such a disdain for him that he was unwilling to even forgive his brother for the opportunity of eternal life. That opportunity to spend eternity with a loving God, he would much rather spend eternity in hell because of the actions and the unwillingness to forgive somebody. That's some serious anger. See, in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, it says, Jesus, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgiveness is such a crucial part. As I said, it felt weird to say this, but I had to forgive Tiff for me being an idiot. As I look at our foster parents, I have to forgive them because we all mess up. I've messed up in my life. It just didn't involve children. I have to forgive them. I have to get down on my knees and pray that they do well. Pray that they find recovery, that they seek help. And pray that even if they do this, that might mean that I don't get to be their dad anymore. That the parents get them back. We're to pray for our enemies. We're to pray for those that persecute us, that hate us. We're to pray for those that we may not want to, that we want to be angry at. And I want to be angry at these parents. I want to be angry at a lot of people. But what does that do for me? It just continues to build in me, fill my heart with hatred, and then I'm no better. Ephesians 4, 31 says this. God's word says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you. Be kind to one another. Be tenderhearted, forgiving, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. You see, forgiving and being forgiven are cut from the same cloth. They can't be separated. So how do we forgive? Not on your own. We need God for that. We need his strength. We need his power to come in and to remove the things in our heart that are not of him. I love the moment of worship once we sing that we have that moment of silence because I need that. I just got done singing worship songs and it just they build and it just makes you emotional and you love it. And then you come to that moment of clarity. What's keeping me from seeing God? What's keeping me right now from hearing his word? I need those moments of just openness, of saying, God, take that hatred, take that pain, take that anger, take it away. And so most of the times when I'm up here, it's dealing with that, is God, remove anger of these parents from my life. But not only that, Father, I pray for them. God, may you work in their lives. I keep thinking back to what Tim keeps saying is, who does God want you to be? And so my prayer for them is that they become who God created them to be, not what the world has told them they are. 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness cancels the effect of sin. Wipes it away. The third point is forgiveness and reconciliation bring healing to revenge and resentment. Jesus said, first be reconciled to your brother and sister. Then come and offer your gift. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. If you have a grudge against somebody, go get that first. 
See, we live in this society of social media where we like to put way too much information on our social media. Like something wrongs us, and so we automatically, what do we do? We don't go to that person. We go to Facebook. Or I'm old, so I go to Facebook, but young ones go to your Snapchat and Twitter. And But you get on there and you blast people because that's how we feel good, right? Instead of going to them. But you see, when we fail to forgive others who have hurt us, we give in to the spirit of revenge and resentment. We give in to that. The spirit of revenge mushrooms like a cloud. Resentment is like concrete that the longer it sits, the stronger its unwillingness to give becomes. I found this story online. It's of a little boy. His name's Johnny. He's visiting his grandparents, and they gave him his first slingshot. And so he's out there practicing on the targets, and he can't hit it because he's a bad shot. And so he's coming back to the house, and there is Grandma's duck. And for whatever reason in his mind, he thinks, oh, I bet I could get the duck. Can't hit a target. Probably can't hit the duck. So he pulls back, fires, threat shot. Kills the duck. Johnny is like, what do I do? So he picks up the duck takes it behind the wood pile. He's trying to hide it. And who happens to have seen the whole thing? Little sister Sally. (laughs) And so later that day after lunch, Grandma says, Sally, help me wash the dishes. Sally looks at Grandma and goes, Johnny told me that he wanted to help in the kitchen today. (laughs) Didn't you, Johnny? And of course, Johnny's sitting there like, what? But she leans over and whispers, remember the duck. (laughs) So Johnny did the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked the children if they wanted to go fishing. Of course, they're excited. Let's go fishing. Grandma said, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help me make supper. Sally chimes right in. That's all taken care of, Grandma. Johnny wants to help. And again, she whispered, remember the duck. So Johnny stayed while Sally went fishing. And so this continued on for several days. I don't know about you, but if I was Johnny, I'd have lost my mind. <laughs> like, the, the vein that bulges here when you lose, like get angry, yeah, that would have burst. And so finally, like I said, for several days, Johnny, doing both his chores and Sally's, decided he couldn't take it anymore. He confessed to his grandma, I killed the duck. His grandma brings him in, hugs him, and says, I know. No. I was standing at the window and saw the whole thing. But because I love you, I forgave you. Simple as that. I was wondering how long you were going to let Sally torture you. (laughs) But that's what hatred, resentment... That's what revenge does to us. It hurts us. It doesn't really ever hurt the other person, but it hurts us. And yet here's Jesus saying, I forgive you. Anger took him to the cross. Because I sit there and think, what was going through Jesus' head at that moment? He's hauling this big, heavy wooden cross up to the place where he'll die. People are there spitting and mocking him. His best friends have ditched him, his followers. If I were him, I'd be like, well, I'm done. (laughs) This is ridiculous. I'm the son of God. I might be fully human, but I'm fully divine. (laughs) Snap my fingers and get out of here. He didn't. He bore the cross, suffered the pain, took the death. He forgave us. Despite us, he loves us. See, revenge is like shooting yourself with a shotgun in order that the kickback from the rifle hits the person you're mad at. The cure for revenge and resentment is forgiveness. Forgiveness for us as followers of Jesus is not an option. It's required. It's a command. Colossians 3, bear with each other and forgive. Whatever grievances you have against one another... Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues. Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity.
Jesus is the model for our forgiveness. He went to the cross and he forgave us our sins. For me, I need to release this anger because it has been ruining my life. It's stealing my joy. And from that point forward of having that conversation, of speaking with people that have spoken to my life and getting their advice, I realized I needed to create habits and steps in order to remove it, to prevent it, and to no longer allow it to control me. You know, we just got done with this series of tattoos, and this was my first tattoo. I got it with a young man that I was mentoring. It says, to love God, to love others. If I send you an email, I have that as my little inspirational quote below my name, because that's the trendy thing to do. To love God, to love people is my passion, my desire, my purpose in life. That's who I want to be. Tim asked that question, who does God want you to be? I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't want to allow anger, resentment, and revenge to kill my joy anymore. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good father. I want to be a godly man. I want to love God and I want to love others. And it starts with forgiveness. So who do you need to forgive today? Who do you need to meet with and let go. And I just encourage you to begin taking those steps. And I'm not saying it's going to happen right away. It may take a bit. But that idea of changing the narrative of our story one day at a time rings true with me because it's not going to be all over in one day. It's going to be a lifelong thing. But as long as I'm taking the steps to change my narrative one day at a time, however small the step may be, as long as it's stepping in the right direction. I want to love God. I want to love people. And I'm tired of being angry. Let's pray.